Welcome back to the What's My Play Sports Podcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Justin. And we'll be going over this week's waiver wire pickups following week 11. We're down. We're getting down into the nitty gritty at this point, huh? A few weeks to go until fantasy football playoffs. Who's the first guy that you're looking on your list, Justin? Yeah, starting off with quarterbacks, uh, I think the first quarterback that uh, I would look at is going to be Cam Newton. Uh, first game back, fully starting for Carolina. I mean, you saw pretty much what you would expect from Cam. Got a good amount of workload with the rushing yards on top of uh, being actually really efficient with his passing work. He had about 200 yards, two passing touchdowns on top of 50 rushing yards and another touchdown. I'd continue the – I would – Expect the rushing to continue with Cam going forward, and that I think should help keep his ceiling or his floor high and his ceiling high going forward. Yeah, I mean, we've already seen two touchdowns in two weeks on the ground from him. His value is really good. And let's think about it like, this is far and away the best wide receiver core that he's ever had as well. Um, when when you give that, that, that man that kind of talent around him, he's only going to be better. Um, and it, it, it wasn't just an efficient 200 yards and two touchdowns. He was 21 to 27 throwing the ball. Um, he was fairly accurate. Um, and some of that's going to be obviously wide receivers being able to create space, but some of that has to be the environment that he's in. Uh, he's looked really good so far. So I'm with you. Uh, the other quarterback that I'd be considering picking up from a waiver wire standpoint is Tyrod Taylor. Um, finally back from, uh, or second week back after following us being out for several weeks from injury. Um, he's, he's the type of quarterback that it's like, he's not going to blow you away with his passing, but he's fairly efficient as a runner like Cam Newton. I don't think he has the ceiling that Cam Newton has, but because of that dual threat ability, he does have some value. And then in particular, um, Houston's playing against the Jets this week, who have in the last four or five weeks, I think the worst defensive stretch in terms of total yards allowed in the Jets history. Um, and so that bodes well for Tyrod Taylor. And I would expect Tyrod Taylor to have a really solid game this week. So he, he may be a good streaming option. Moving on to running backs, who are you looking at? So the first running back that I would probably be looking at is probably under 50% is going to be Devontae Freeman. Uh, more and more, he's starting to take over that kind of RB1 spot in Baltimore. Uh, not only, I would say, uh, in terms of rushing workload, I mean, they're still kind of going with a dual-headed three-back. I mean, Latavius Murray's still there getting some touches, but in terms of uh, the receiving work that Devontae Freeman's getting, I mean, especially towards the end of the games when they're working in two-minute drill, I mean, Devontae Freeman's the only running back that seems to be seeing the field, and he's getting a lot of a lot of receptions out of the backfield right now, which is really helping kind of keeping his floor, you know, up to a, a respectable level to someone that you could put him in your lineup and know that by the end of the game, he's still going to get you a decent amount of points. Yeah, and especially with uh, with uh, Lamar Jackson being out and they have to rely on the running backs more. Um, there, If Lamar Jackson misses any more time, there's definitely value there. The next guy that I was kind of looking at, 
And this was me kind of going a little bit deep to see this guy, David Johnson. Uh, big name, obviously, but last week ran the ball for 13 times, had three receptions, only had six points from a fantasy perspective. But uh, again, next week they're playing against the Jets. Um, and any player playing against the Jets, expect their efficiency numbers to go up a ton. He already has at least a decent amount of volume, especially with Philip Lindsay being released from Houston. Uh, I, I see some, uh, some value in extremely deep leagues. Uh, still probably not a guy that you're going to be starting most of the time, but a guy to at least keep an eye on for the time being. Any other running backs you're looking at? Yeah, um, I don't really have any other specific running backs, but... I want to know if you have any take on if there's a clear Tennessee running back you should be looking at with the release of Adrian Peterson. Uh, well, I'll, I'll let you get into that. The guy I kind of noted was Dontrell Hilliard. Um, if uh, McNichols is out for any more time with that concussion that he has, uh, Hilliard just made the roster recently. Uh, very efficient performance, seven carries for 35 yards and then eight receptions for 43 or 47 yards. I mean, that 15 touches for any running back is really solid value, especially given the fact that we're talking PPR formats and he had eight receptions. If McNichols is out, uh, you could even see Hilliard in the right matchup having some flex potential, I think. Yeah, no, uh, that was kind of where I was leaning with it, where, I mean, it was just, you know, he just got to the team and the workload they already kind of gave to him in his first outing was just, and then just to go right ahead and just release Adrian Peterson like that. Like, I mean, it's not surprising that they're going to keep uh, McNichols on the team. I mean, he was, I think he was drafted by him last year. Uh, so, I mean, they want to keep him on the team, keep developing him. I mean, I, I, if anything, I would have expected maybe someone like Dante Foreman to be released or at least drop down to the practice squad mm -hmm. or something. But just to outright drop Adrian Peterson like that makes me think yeah. that they have to think that they kind of found their guy that can get most of the workload. And after seeing how the, the touches kind of were handed out in the last game, it just, I don't see how... You know, McNichols missing and very inefficient touches that Foreman had really gave well, them any other reason. Yeah, another thing Peterson. to another thing to note too is they both had the same number of carries, but Hilliard was on he he had sixty three percent of the snap share. Sixty three percent of the snap share in almost any offense is fantasy worthy for a running back. Um, and in a Tennessee offense that likes to run the ball, too, I mean. My one thing I will say to that is the Titans went down early against the Texans. And so they were throwing the ball a lot out the gate after they had a lot of turnovers early on. And so I would say a lot of that definitely helped in that snap share for him. But I think the efficiency that he had while running the ball compared to what everyone else was able to turn out during that game when they did run the ball. You know, they probably saw some kind of, I wouldn't say three down man, but a guy that can kind of handle, you know, both kinds of roles. Because I think going forward, they're going to continue to 
use Foreman and McNichols in some kind of way. I don't think any of the guys have really hit a point where they're going to take over the offense and be a three down back that's going to get 70 plus percent of the snap count. But I think with uh, Hilliard, they probably saw a guy that they think they could probably get on there for at least 50% of the time and then divvy up the rest of it. All right, moving over to wide receivers. Uh, the, the first guy that I kind of go to, uh, Sterling Shepard is still only 40, owned in 48% of fantasy leagues on ESPN. Uh, I know a lot of that's probably down to uh, him not be or being out injured for uh, several weeks, but I mean, in the five games that he did play, he got forty. Yeah, he he had forty three targets in five games, so he averaged eight targets a game through those five games and didn't even play all of three of them. Um, so obviously, when he's on the field, he's a volume beast. Um, so. He's the type of guy that if you pick him up, um, there's a good chance that he goes right into your starting lineup as a flex for a lot of teams. Um, so in terms of this year's fantasy value, I would immediately be looking at Sterling Shepard if you're in need of a wide receiver. Don't be afraid to throw him straight into your starting lineup too. Yeah, um, another guy that I'm looking at that kind of falls into that is going to be Kadarius Toney. Um I mean, he had another seven catches on 12 targets this week for 40 yards. I mean, when Sterling Shepard's not playing, he is the clear number one guy in that offense. I think even when Sterling Shepard comes back, I think Tony has done enough to where injuries to other players aren't going to be the only way they're going to try and get him on the field and get him involved. I think going forward for the season... I would expect him to be more and more involved in the offense. And again, as injuries continue to plague this offense, how they just so happen to see going on and on with all the receivers, the running backs. As long as things kind of keep trending the way they have, I just think Tony's going to continue to keep getting volume in that offense. Do you, do you see a scenario where both, do you think both of those wide receivers are viable fantasy options? I think so. Um, they both play kind of a similar role, but the elusiveness that they both bring to the field really is kind of what makes them so useful in the way you see them play. I mean, they're so able to get, you know, enough space for the quarterback to really get the ball in there for them, like on so short routes, and they're both really good yards after the catch. I think they could really... You know, I think the whole Kenny Galladay uh, experiment they had has not panned out the way they've hoped it would. Mm -hmm. No, the Giants aren't the world's best team. They're going to play from behind a lot, so I think you can expect a lot of volume in their offense to have to throw the ball anyway. Yeah. So I think they can really... I, I do kind of want to preface one thing before we move on to the next guy. Um, it was announced today that Jason Garrett was fired, the offensive coordinator for the Giants. Um, so we don't know what type of offense they're going to be running with the new offensive coordinator. We don't know how that's going to affect Snapshare. We don't know how that's going to affect breakout between running plays and passing plays. So do take a little bit of note of caution that there, there is 
a little bit of a mystery or question mark with how things are going to pan out in that regard. But obviously both of those guys are so talented at what they do, um, they should still warrant a decent amount of volume. Uh, the next wide receiver that I want to mention is Traquan Smith. Um, so Traquan Smith at this point is going to be most, he's most likely going to be the top wide receiver for the Saints for the rest of the season. Um, obviously there was a, there was a lot of, there was some questions with the quarterback situation. Um, and Trevor Simeon, or Seaman has, uh, or is it Simeon? Yeah, Trevor Simeon in the last couple of weeks has th been really solid throwing the ball. 250 yards, 300 yards, 210 yards in the last three weeks, seven touchdowns throwing the ball. Um, with the roughly a 58% completion percentage over those three games, uh, he's been surprisingly reliable for basically what a lot of people thought was like a third string option type QB. Um, and so the wide receivers are obviously going to benefit from that. Uh, in the last two weeks as well, Traquan Smith has had uh, 15 targets, four for 44 in a touchdown and five for 64 in a touchdown. Uh, I think there's definitely value for uh, adding Traquan Smith to your roster moving forward. Yeah, um, the last receiver I want to talk about is going to be Elijah Moore. Over the last five weeks, he's had double-digit points in every single week. He has 37 targets over the last five weeks, so he's had over seven targets pretty much in every single game. Uh... Four touchdowns in the last five games. And then his last game against Miami, he had eight catches on 11 targets for 141 yards and a touchdown. I mean, recently he's just been trending upward. He's getting more and more involvement in the offense as he's been healthy. And I just think going forward, I mean, he's the most valuable, I think, offensive weapon they kind of have in their offense right now. I mean... I just think if they continue to keep getting him the ball the way, the way they have been, I think you're going to see a lot of volume going forward, going forward. All right, moving on to tight ends. Um, I think it's pretty much the same names that we've kind of been saying over the last few weeks. The first guy I'm going to mention is Logan Thomas. Uh, Ian Rappaport is saying that uh, it is expected that Logan Thomas will return from the injured reserve for week 12 this week. Um, and obviously people were drafting him as a top six, top seven tight end at the beginning of the fantasy season. Uh, three weeks into the season, he was averaging 11 points per game. Um, and he had 14 targets in those three games, or yeah, in those three games. So I, I expect there to be decent value. And if you're struggling at tight end, he should be a fairly reliable option for the rest of the way. Um, so that, that would be the main guy I'd be looking at. Uh, the other thing is that he's owned in 47% of leagues, so there is a decent chance that he's owned in your league, but you should definitely be going out there to check it out. And then I'm guessing your tight end that you want to recommend is Dan Arnold? Yes. So, as per usual, he's not a guy whose ceiling is by any means through the roof, but... For the third week in a row, he's had seven plus targets. He went five for 67. It's just the consistency that he's seen in that offense, seeing as 
you know, for the beginning stretch of the year, it was Marvin Jones. And then we had a one or two game stretch where it was LaVishka. Dan Arnold has kind of been the Mr. Consistent of that offense. And it just seems like it's going to be like that going forward, especially with the Jaguars usually playing from behind. So the volume is there, which is pretty much at this point, I think something that is scarce in the tight end position. There's a lot of guys that you see that break the top 10 as a tight end because they have three or four 30-point games in the season and then the rest of the games are kind of below average. So at this point, I think Dan Arnold's kind of hitting that point where he's more of a Mr. Consistent. You can't expect a lot from him, but you know you're going to get at least 10-plus from him. Yep, for sure. That wraps it up for this week on uh, the What's My Play Sports podcast. Please tune in next week as we go over waiver wires following week 12. Take care. Peace.